0: you could have any API you wanted to access data from Python, what would it look like? What would make it Pythonic? This week you'll hear about Pony ORM. Pony is a Python ORM with beautiful query syntax that lets you write your database queries using Python generators and lambdas. Join me in a conversation with one of Pony ORM's founders, Alexei Mileshkovich. This is Talk Python to me, episode 87, recorded November 3rd, 2016.
1: Developers, developers, developers.
0: I'm a developer, in many senses of the word, cause I make these applications, but I also use these verbs to make this music, I construct it line by line, just like when I'm coding another software design, in both cases, it's about design patterns, anyone can get the job done, it's the execution that matters, I have many interests, sometimes it's can Welcome to Talk Python to Me, a weekly podcast on Python, the language, the libraries, the ecosystem, and the personalities. This is your host, Michael Kennedy. Follow me on Twitter, where I'm at mkennedy. Keep up with the show and listen to past episodes at talkpython.fm and follow the show on Twitter via at TalkPython. This episode has been sponsored by Rollbar and GoCD. Thank them both for supporting the podcast by checking out what they're offering during their segments. Alexi, welcome to Talk TalkPython.
1: Hi, Michael. Thank you.
0: Yeah, it's great to have you here. Thanks for coming. I'm super excited to talk about your ORM and that you built this what I'm I'm saying might be the most pythonic ORM yet which because of the really cool query syntax that you use and a couple of other highly pythonic techniques and I'm very impressed with it but before we get into the details of Pony ORM let's talk about your story how would you get into programming in python
1: well i was always interested in programming actually when i was a teenager i had a Sinclair ZX Spectrum computer played computer games and uh, started uh, to program basic and uh, actually, it was the reason for me to get a master's degree in computer science later. Well, I was programming while studying in the university, but what I really liked was uh, computer networks. So after graduating, I started to work as a network engineer in an IT department of an airline company. And at uh, that time, it was uh, 2001 and 2002, airline agencies uh, had to use uh, dedicated uh, leased lines for connecting to airline database system. And I figured that uh, using internet for that would be uh, like 100% uh, (laughs) cheaper. And uh, then I got uh, that uh, crazy idea of developing a client-server solution which works uh, over internet. So I developed a prototype and it consisted of an app written in Delphi and a Linux server. And then I presented it to the airline management team. And they were impressed and offered me to form a development team. So from that uh, point in time, I start. Uh, yeah, I continued as a developer.
0: Yeah, that's think of the times back when you had to have a leased line, or back when you had BBSs. You had to dial up to get online. Like it's just such a different world, right? But that's really cool that yeah. you helped that company like emerge out of that world.
1: Right. So now you cannot imagine that not using <laughs> internet, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, and then uh, several uh, years later, I uh, started to work uh, for another company. It, it was a fintech startup. It was a New York-based company, and they outsourced uh, the development to Saint Petersburg, Russia, this uh, the city where I'm originally from. And I was developing uh, the backend in C++ and Java. And when the business took off, they decided to form a team. A development team in New York and they invited me for this role so I moved to New York and formed a development team there and was uh, building software for seven years there and during that time actually my friend Alexander Kozlovsky, uh, we studied together in the University and uh, he was uh, really really interested in databases and he was actually a senior lecturer So he taught people databases and he feel that uh, most people actually uh, don't get relational algebra, you know, and uh, there should be a better way to build uh, software. He suggested an idea to build a web framework and I love the idea because working for a financial company, I saw that it is very fast environment and I actually missed a tool like Delphi, Rabbit Application Development Tool. And I thought that if I uh, would have one, I would use one. And uh, this is how we started to work on Pony. And it was a weekend project, actually, initially. Uh, We developed uh, the whole framework, actually. And and it was uh, templating engine, it was routing, it was ORM. And then we found that probably we shouldn't do all those things because it's too much <laughs> yeah but by that time uh, uh, circle circle alchemy appeared actually we started the same year 2006 it was the first year when we started to work together and actually by that time alexander already uh, tried to build uh, a mapper he tried in c++ in delphi and uh, python was a choice uh, which he came to understanding that it should be a dynamic language.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it was much harder in C++ to pull something like this off, especially with the really rich language-level query syntax. Like, I'm not really sure how that works in C++.
1: Right. And then we started to work together on this, and uh, he told that it was a SQL object, uh, such a mapper, and in in one of um, email lists, he suggested that uh, why not to use um, generator syntax for writing queries. And I love the idea too, because it was natural syntax for queries.
0: It's a completely natural syntax. Like I think of generator expressions and list comprehensions as kind of like in-memory database operations, just working on on your objects, obviously not indexed or anything like that. So if you're gonna do that in your Python code, but somehow project that down into the database, that's perfect, I think.
1: Yeah, exactly. and. What we liked as well is uh, that it is uh, so natural for someone who just uh, starts uh, working with Python that uh, you don't need to uh, actually uh, learn another language such as uh, SQL.
0: Yeah, I think you probably could get away with just being able to read but not write SQL <laughs> with uh, Pony. Yeah. Yeah, or or SQL Alchemy or some of the other ORMs, right? Like if if you can understand the debug output, you may be okay. Who knows? It depends on how complex I suppose it gets, but that's that's a cool uh, goal anyway.
1: Exactly, and I uh, worked with uh, people who actually can program uh, different languages, uh, but it's hard for them to understand uh, SQL pretty well. And that's why we decided that if we could provide such a tool, it will be very helpful. And I could see uh, how uh, it can speed up uh, making prototypes. And, uh, you know, when you build a prototype, you never know if it will be an application uh, later and uh, how it will evolve.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That mean, I wonder how many applications there are in production in the world that were just supposed to be prototypes. I bet it's a really high percentage.
1: Yeah, I agree. (laughs) You need to, uh, to have a tool which allows you to start quickly. And then when you actually evolve this, with uh, this application evolves, you want uh, it to allow you to build this as uh, as complex as you want.
0: Well, yeah, and also the ability to recreate the project quickly rather than manage some huge data access layer with some kind of right. ORM that's really nice and clean. Like Pony ORM is a really good thing to have so you can say no no no, this is a prototype we're going to start again but it only takes like this morning and then we'll have it back to where it is but proper (laughs) something like that right Right. that's cool
1: an app that created using a simple tool can reach a point where the further development uh, is too difficult or even impossible and having reached this uh, borderline of complexity it's often uh, no time uh, actually to start from scratch (laughs) yeah it's
0: usually you're already down that path and it's too late how interesting. Okay, so let's talk about Pony ORM a bit. So Pony ORM is a data access layer. It's an ORM, Object Relational Mapper. How would you describe it if somebody asked you what is Pony ORM?
1: Well, uh, it is a- an advanced uh, Object Relational Mapper and uh, it provides a um, very easy interface and even a newbie can start working with this. That is one thing I was struck
0: with when I was working with it is I was almost thinking like, well, how do I connect back this object to the entities? Like, where do I create the entity-based class from? And, And, oh, and how do I, you know, why don't I have to call add to insert objects? And why don't I have to call commit to commit them? And all of those answers are because you're using some really interesting Pythonic concepts that sort of simplify a couple of the steps that you might have found in other ORMs.
1: Right and pony, uh, it's a, a small horse, right? It's small, <laughs> smart, and powerful. So we believe that uh, these features we put uh, into our mapper.
0: I think so too. I think it's really uh, it is really nice, and I'm I'm looking forward to using it properly on some projects now that I know a little bit more about it. So I want to ask you what's Pythonic about it, but I think maybe the way to to uncover the various Pythonic elements is to actually work through an example but before we get to that let's let me ask you this other question so there's these two styles or two design patterns for that typically are in play at orms and that's um whether or not the orm acts as an active record where you Mm -hmm. you sort of work with individual elements so like ruby on rails or i think the django um orm is like this or it's a unit of work which is like sql alchemy where you create a bunch of objects and make some changes, inserts, updates, deletes and so on and when you're finally ready you commit that unit of work and it applies all of those. Which style is pony?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there are two uh, basic patterns. And with active record, you have an object which represents a line in the database. And uh, the thing is that if you select the same object twice using active record, you will have two instances of the same object in the memory and it is a huge problem because now you have uh, two objects which uh, are actually the same and when you start to change one object and then change another one you can have uh, lost updates and another thing that you need to always remember to call save on each object yeah exactly and-
0: And you don't really do that with unit of work. You just kind of work with your data, and when you're ready, you commit it, right?
1: Every time you read a record from the database, we first check in the identity map if uh, there is such a record already loaded into the memory. And uh, this allows us uh, to uh, return an object from the cache, from the memory instead of uh, uh, querying the database.
0: Yeah, so that's cool in that it gives you better performance because you're not round-tripping to the database as often. But it's also maybe even more important that it means if you somehow get the same object twice, it's still the same object in memory, right? Exactly.
1: So uh, it allows us to avoid excessive uh, database calls. And at the same time, we always work with the same uh, copy of the object. And another option that it uh, provides us with is uh, to manage uh, transactions. So we can see when the scope of a function or a context manager uh, was left. And uh, at this point, uh, we can commit all the changes to the database. It is very convenient.
0: Yeah, that's very convenient. I love your use of context managers in this project. So maybe that's a good place to jump into talking about the code. And we have to be a little careful on an audio format talking about code, but maybe we could just kind of roughly walk through some of the the steps involved, and we could talk about the Pythonic concepts as we get to them. Okay. So obviously, yeah. So obviously, to get started, you have to import Pony, right? So there's a number of things in there that you got to work with. So pip install pony, import pony, and so on. And then you create a database. So a database is just an object, right? But this database has a couple of features that go on to be super important. Like on that object, you have a base class, and all of your entities have to derive from it, right?
1: Exactly. So when you create a database, at this point it is just an object, and later when you create entities, you inherit it from db.entity, which is an attribute, and it is abstract class, which tells that it is an entity which is connected to this database. And having such pattern, actually you can create several databases. You can uh, simultaneously work with more than one database.
0: Right, maybe you have a like a core database that has your important stuff, and then an analytics database for tracking how people yeah. are using your app, something like that, right?
1: Yeah, it's very often used uh, this way.
0: Yeah, and then you create, like you said, you create this class that derives from DB Entity. What does it look like to define the columns?
1: The main difference of Pony uh, from other uh, mappers that we uh, work in terms of entities. So in SQL Alchemy, uh, you uh, work with uh, with relations. And here uh, uh, with Pony, uh, we higher the level of abstraction and uh, work uh, in terms of entities, in terms of objects. And we uh, don't create columns, we create attributes of the object. Because this way, we figure that it is easier for a human being to think in terms of objects, not relations.
0: Yeah, and probably Python as well, right? We're used to working with hierarchical collections of objects. Anyway, yeah, yeah.
1: and then you create attributes and we provide a very concise way uh, of uh, declaring such entities because from the uh, first day uh, of uh, developing Pony, we actually had three goals. We wanted uh, this mapper would be easy to use. It means uh, having Pythonic API. It should be very performant. So high performance is the goal. And uh, the third uh, is uh, safety and reliability. So we we would like to uh, avoid uh, SQL injections and uh, make it reliable.
0: Yeah, you do some really nice stuff to avoid SQL injection attacks, and I'll talk about those later as well.
1: Yeah, so uh, when you declare entities, uh, it is as short as possible. You just uh, write the attribute name and then the type of the attribute. So it could be a required attribute or optional. Another two options is uh, uh, you can have a primary key or a relationship to another entity. And then, in uh, creating uh, the attribute, you specify the type of the attribute and some additional uh, options, uh, like unique or auto-generator. When uh, you want to have a sequence, uh, creating a new object, Uh, sometimes you want uh, uh, id to be automatically generated
0: right and of course you can have default values as well for like created dates and things like that right
1: right Uh, so we have uh, api reference and uh, there are about uh, like probably 15 options that you can specify for attribute and uh, you asked about columns you can also specify the name of the column if you would like to give uh, a specific name to the database column or if you have a database uh, already created and you would like to map these entities to the existing tables uh, so you can specify the table name and the column name uh, declaring the entity
0: yeah that's that's excellent so let me try to give people a really quick example here so you've at um, on your github you've got a nice example called a store. mm-hmm and you have relationships between like customers and products and stuff in a shopping cart and so on. So you obviously have a, a customer class and a product class and so on. But just to like talk about the simplicity. So for a cart item, the whole thing is you have a cart item class from db.entity It has a quantity, which is a required column, which is an integer. And then you have a customer, which is a required customer object, just literally parentheses the class name, not even in quotes, just actually the Python class object. And product, required of product. So here's an object that has two relationships back to customer and product, and it's like the simplest thing you can imagine, right?
1: Right. In order to make it even simpler, you can take a look at the diagram at uh, our entity relationship diagram editor, which represents this this uh, database schema. So you can uh, visually see this.
0: Right. So for people who are listening, if they want to find it and they don't want to go in the show notes, it's editor.ponyorm.com slash user slash pony slash E capital S store. Uh, of course, I'll link to that. Yeah, that's... That's really cool. And you guys have this wonderful online designer that shows you the relationships, that lets you model and rearrange them, even get the what would be the generated SQL, the generated Python classes, and so on. It, definitely, I want to come back and talk about this online editor because it looks really special. So, yeah, so very cool. We create these entities, and the relationships are, are really super simple to set up, so that's wonderful. And then another thing that you chose to do in your api is make the id something that is optional
1: right Uh, oftentimes uh, you don't have a natural primary key and in this case uh, you just uh, create attributes uh, attributes that uh, you want to have in the entity and if you don't declare primary key pony will add it automatically and it will be integer type uh, with sequence
0: yeah the auto incrementing primary key uh exactly Yeah. yeah Yeah, that's perfect. So then you go through the standard stuff. You bind to a database connection and a database type. What types of databases are supported?
1: So currently we support four major databases, which are SQLite, uh, Postgres, MySQL, and Oracle. And currently we're working on adding uh, Microsoft uh, SQL Server. So we had uh, users who asked us about it, and we actually added uh, this uh, type of the database, but the thing is that uh, recently uh, we added a JSON type support. So you can work with the database uh, JSON type and uh, make queries to those uh, uh, JSON types. And this part we didn't add to Microsoft server yet. But after we will add the JSON support, I think we will include it into the release and we'll support five databases.
0: Oh, that sounds great. I mean, that's those are basically the major ones. Like, what Are there any that people are asking for that are asking for commonly that that are missing?
1: Only a Microsoft SQL server was something we were asking about.
0: Yeah, it seems to me like those five rounded out. Tell me more about this JSON thing. Is this something that is... JSON stored in, like, Postgres or SQLite, or is it something else?
1: Right. Uh, So we used uh, the native database uh, JSON type. Uh, So it is JSONB, binary JSON for Postgres and for uh, MySQL. For Oracle, it is, uh, I believe it is Clob. And uh, for SQLite, normally it is uh, stored as text by default, but you always can uh, install a module, which is called um, JSON1. And uh, this way, uh, your queries to SQLite will be faster.
0: Okay, so there's a module that I can extend, I see, that I can extend SQLite so that it can understand the internals of that JSON document so I could possibly query by some attribute deep down inside it?
1: Recently, we have added uh, a native JSON data type support, and this way, we can actually combine NoSQL database uh, with a relational database. So it's like having best of two worlds. In a relational database, you can declare an attribute of JSON type. And in this attribute, you can keep the data structure, uh, which can vary. Yeah,
0: this is really cool. So basically, you have regular columns, but you can also have hierarchical columns that are stored as JSON, more or less. That's right. Yeah, it, it does very much seem like here's a MongoDB type of thing going on as part of that table.
1: Exactly. And uh, you can actually do queries to the internals of uh, this uh, JSON structure, which is described in our documentation.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Can you add indexes to the internals of that data structure? I think not yet. It, it's down to the whether the database is supported, I'm sure. but
1: Probably if uh, the database supports that, uh, you can... Uh, Actually, it is just a native uh, JSON type for the database. So if a database supports index, you can add an index.
0: Right. Okay, that makes sense. So it's, it's really a question of, does MySQL support indexes on embedded JSON types, which I actually don't know the answer to. So uh, that's cool, though.
1: We have users who use this feature in production already. Nice.
0: So, yeah, speaking of production, can you speak of some of the notable deployments of PonyRM? I mean, I know, like, the vast majority of no visibility into, but...
1: Yeah, some of them asked us uh, not share their details because they have uh, PR departments that they need to approve it with. And for, for those uh, who we can share, I put testimonials to our site.
0: Oh, yeah, excellent. I see at the bottom, here's a whole bunch of testimonials and people can come check them out. I'm sure not everybody has permission to divulge whether they're, they're you know, speak on behalf of their company, but that's very cool.
1: So when I was working on the new version of the site, I uh, sent uh, uh, this uh, request to all our users. And actually, uh, those people paid for the license because we initially we had uh, Pony released under uh, dual license. So it was AGPL and it was commercial license. And then we figured that AGPL actually doesn't really work with the community. People don't like AGPL at all. And although we were selling licenses, we decided that we probably uh, need to change our model uh, and we just need to release uh, Pony under Apache 2 license and think about uh, the possibility to monetize uh, our editor because uh, it really can be a tool which allows people to develop applications faster. And uh, we use the same uh, model as GitHub. So if you would like to share your data schema with, with everybody, make it public, you can use it for free. And if you would like to have a private uh, data schema, then uh, we'll ask uh, to to pay some money.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great model. And we'll definitely talk about it. That's at editor.ponyorm.com. Yeah, it's it's very cool. This portion of Talk Python to Me has been brought to you by Rollbar. One of the frustrating things about being a developer is dealing with errors, ah, relying on users to report errors, digging through log files, trying to debug issues, or a million alerts just flooding your inbox and ruining your day. With Rollbar's full-stack error monitoring, you'll get the context, insights, and control that you need to find and fix bugs faster. It's easy to install. You can start tracking production errors and deployments in eight minutes or even less. Rollbar works with all the major languages and frameworks, including the Python ones such as Django, Flask, Pyramid, as well as Ruby, JavaScript, Node, iOS, and Android. You could integrate Rollbar into your existing workflow, send error alerts to Slack or HipChat, or even automatically create issues in Jira, Pivotal Tracker, and a whole bunch more. Rollbar has put together a special offer for TalkPython to me listeners. Visit rollbar.com slash TalkPython to me, sign up, and get the bootstrap plan free for 90 days. That's 300,000 errors tracked, all for free. But hey, just between you and me, I really hope you don't encounter that many errors. Loved by developers at awesome companies like Heroku, Twilio, Kayak, Instacart, Zendesk, Twitch, and more. Give Rollbar a try today. Go to rollbar.com/talkpython to me. Let's focus for a moment on. What I think are really getting to the, the Pythonic concepts, what we talked about so far with the way you work with pony is it's very nice, but it's not super unique and it's just like a nicer version of what I feel like the other ones are doing, but then you get to things like working with context managers and decorators and all sorts of really nice stuff. Tell us how do we like insert data? Or how do I get like a database connection and commit it and go through like that whole set of steps there?
1: Well, uh, when you bind uh, entities to the database, uh, the next step you need to generate mapping, and uh, this way we just connect uh, objects uh, in the program entities uh, to the database uh, tables, and then uh, you can start working with uh, the database. Uh, you can select entity objects or create new objects and all that uh, all that interconnection should be done within the database uh, session because it is a transaction right
0: right this whole unit of work thing right yeah
1: unit of work exactly so you need to either create a function and decorate it with db session or uh, you need to use uh, the context manager and uh, work with the database uh, Within this context manager.
0: Yeah, so let's focus on that for a sec, because I think that's great. So if I want to make a bunch of CRUD operations, inserts, updates, deletes, and so on, one way to do that is write a function that changes the data, creates objects, it updates existing ones, and all I have to do is put a decorator right at DB session on that method, and it will it'll handle both the the u the positive outcome and the negative outcome. So like if If that method runs to completion without errors, without exceptions, it will commit the transaction. But if for some reason there's an exception in there, it will roll back the transaction just by virtue of having the decorator, right?
1: Exactly. So uh, when you uh, wrap your code, which works uh, with entities uh, with DB session, it actually does uh, the following. When uh, you start working with the database, uh, it, uh, it doesn't start a transaction from the uh, first uh, moment because uh, if it is uh, just a read, you don't need actually to open tra- transaction. Uh, you, you can uh, read from the database uh, w- without uh, opening it. And uh, when you start to change, the new transaction uh, is created. And then when you leave this scope, if no exception happened, then Pony automatically will commit the changes to the database. If uh, an exception happened, then it will be rolled back. And you can specify parameters to this uh, decorator. For example, if you would like to retry several times, you can do that uh, specifying parameters to the decorator. That might be helpful when you have uh, more than one process working with the same table with the same row. And Pony has an a concept of optimistic checking. So this way we avoid a situation when you can lose updates. When Pony saves something in the database, it actually adds a checks that the attribute values keep the same. Because uh, when you work with the objects, Pony tracks uh, which objects you read and which objects you write. So if you, for example, in your code, Uh, read an uh, attribute, and then do something and uh, save uh, this object into the database, Pony will make sure that attributes that you read keep the same. Because if it don't, it means that some other process changed the database. And in this case, it cannot be saved in the database.
0: Yeah, this is very common in these sort of disconnected unit-of-work styles, of RMS, but I really like this model. I mean, the alternative is pessimistic concurrency, which is to say, lock the database, nobody can do a thing until we're done with this whole part. Right. And everybody get, get in line and I'm going to do a bunch of changes. And then you can go make your queries or other operations on the database and not see inconsistent data. And that's great, but it also kills concurrency and all sorts of things. With this model, the optimistic concurrency, it's like, well, probably nobody changed this record also, so it'll just do all the work, and then it'll say more or less something to the effect of, update person with ID this, where the name is the old name, set the name to the new name, something like that, right?
1: So uh, the goal of uh, Pony is to provide consistent uh, API uh, and ability to work with the database, even for people who don't know much about uh, transactions uh, and lost updates. So we, we would like uh, Pony provide such an easy way to work with the data reliably.
0: Yeah, and I think the retrying thing is really interesting, a really interesting addition there. Sometimes you don't want to make an entire method, basically a transaction in a sense. So you can use another Pythonic concept of context managers, right? So you can just say with DB session, do you work in that little suite? And then when you're out of there, follows the same rules. No exceptions, commit, exception, rollback, right?
1: Right. And at the same time, uh, this uh, concept of uh, optimistic checking, it works by default in Pony, but if you need to lock the database, uh, do for update query, you can do that too. There's a method for, entity has a method for update, and a query has such a method for update. So that this way you can log the database if you if you need. Right.
0: Okay. Very cool. So the next thing, once you have data in the database, of course, you want to write a query. And this is where this is what got my attention to Pony in the first place is the way that I would like say do a um, a query on like a bunch of people we inserted to the database at the Person class would be to write a generator that would do the in-memory query. So you'd say something like select p for p in-person if p.age P.A. is greater than 20. And like that's literally what you write, yeah?
1: Yeah, uh, you write this generator and pass it as an argument to the select uh, function. And what Pony does, it uh, gets uh, the bytecode of the generator. It uh, decompiles it in order to extract the abstract syntax tree. And then it translates this uh, After syntax tree into SQL and made a presentation on Europython in 2014 and it is uh, available uh, on YouTube where I explain uh, the, the whole process how we actually do this translation because before a lot of people actually asking if uh, this translation is uh, fast enough and I should tell that the the whole thing uh, works uh, really fast, and the thing is that you need to translate each generator only once. In the whole program, uh, you need to gen- translate the generator bytecode only once, and then it will be cached, and the result of the translation to SQL will be cached as well. And after that, we just have the SQL query where we uh, just put uh, parameters and send it to the database.
0: That is really awesome. I'm definitely going to link to your 2014 talk. You could also do like projections. So like in a generator expression, I could say p.name, p.age for da-da-da-da. You support basically doing projections at the database level in the same manner, right?
1: Right. So you uh, basically you you don't even need to think uh, in terms of tables. You just work with objects. And you can select uh, a whole object or you can select a specific attribute or you can can even do aggregation so you uh, select a tuple for example you select uh, p.name and then for example if uh, we have some uh, let me give you this example for example you work with a, a customer and uh, this customer has uh, some orders with uh, which uh, has uh, the attribute uh, total amount So you can do aggregation and uh, return from this uh, query a tuple where you have uh, the customer name and then aggregated amount of uh, his or her orders.
0: That's really cool. Do you have some good examples of that on your docs? Yeah. Okay, I'll be sure to link to them. Yeah, send me the link. And finally, if for some reason this syntax doesn't work for you, you're just like, you know, I just need to write a SQL query and just have something happen, you can do that as well. And so you could just go to your entity, which represents the table, and just say select by SQL and give it some kind of SQL statement.
1: You, you can uh, write a row SQL, but uh, what is uh, more interesting is that you can insert a row parts of SQL query into a generator. You know, uh, we have such uh, a function, row SQL, and for example, uh, uh, there is a function in the database, which is not supported uh, in, in Python, for example. Then you can uh, insert uh, this piece of uh, raw SQL into a declarative query written uh, in, in the form of a generator.
0: That is really awesome. And I also like how you automatically capture the in, in your SQL text local variables as as name, so like if I had X defined locally in my SQL statement, I could say dollar X, and you would translate that to a parameter, right?
1: Yeah, and hold on a second. Uh, let me send you the link for uh, raw SQL. Oh yeah,
0: that's really amazing. So you can just say raw SQL as part of either a lambda or a generator expression, and it just it's going to execute on the database, right?
1: Exactly. So if you uh, insert this part of raw SQL into the translated query.
0: And one thing that's interesting is you have both Lambda expressions and generator expressions. Right. When do I use, and and I can pass those as the select clause. So when do I use which?
1: If you would like to get an object as the result, you can use uh, Lambda or generator. So they will actually be translated into the same SQL query. But if you would like to aggregate do aggregation or return just uh, a tuple of uh, attribute names, then in this case, uh, you use a generator because it allows you to to put uh, any expression in the beginning of the generator. Right. And uh, it will be returned as a, a list of uh, such tuples, for example.
0: Yeah, I, I really love that aspect of Pony. That, that's super cool. So let's talk about parameters because it's super important for the safety of your app that you don't write just straight up raw SQL with concatenated strings, right? Like if, if anybody has a doubt, just Google little Bobby tables. So the parameters here are really great. Like tell us, tell us about that.
1: Uh, Pony uh, allows you to avoid uh, SQL injections absolutely because uh, all the parameters that we pass into the SQL <laughs> query, they are passed as database parameters. So this way uh, there is no way to get a SQL injection. And also Pony allows you to pass not only parameters, but uh, expressions as well. So uh, you can find that part uh, described in the documentation. When you pass the parameter, you can specify the whole expression inside the uh, generator query.
0: That's really great that you can pass expressions as well. I think there's always trade offs when you use something, some kind of ORM versus just writing raw SQL entirely. I would personally the safety from SQL injection attacks. The fact that you might forget to use a parameter somewhere <laughs> almost alone makes it worth using ORMs not to mention all the cool benefits of everything else. So I th- yeah, I think it's really great that you have all all these levels of safety especially for web apps. Yeah. Yeah, so let's talk about the team. How, uh, you talked about your co-founder just a bit, but maybe mention him again. And how many people are, are you working on the project now?
1: Currently, we have uh, four people. So Alexander Kozlovsky is my co-founder, and we started uh, uh, to work with him together. And at some point, I decided to uh, leave my job and concentrate on uh, Pony full-time.
0: Congratulations on that that's awesome.
1: Yeah, thank you. Although uh, we found uh, another project later. Uh, so currently we we work on Pony. Uh, we have uh, four people. Uh, we have two more uh, developers. So one of them works uh, on the back end and another on front end. So his role is uh, to to help us uh, build our editor. We have big plans on that. And currently we actually yeah, we we work on the editor as well. Nice.
0: Yeah. So tell us where, where are you going? What features are you adding? Uh,
1: currently, uh, you can use the editor in order to create entity relationship diagram and then get either a Python classes or a SQL create table statements. And uh, this uh, actually uh, uh, used uh, uh, a lot by users who actually don't know anything about Pony. And when I write them, that uh, do you use Pony? Why not you just start uh, opening the tab with uh, Python classes? They actually, uh, often they don't know a thing about Pony. And uh, when they discover this possibility, they uh, love uh, this feature and start using Pony as well.
0: Yo, that's great. Yeah.
1: So let's talk about
0: your editor a little bit. So I really like it. Like I said, editor.ponyorm.com. And the idea is it's basically a database diagram development tool, right? So you can see your tables, you can see their relationships and so on, which all of right. that is all of that is really cool. And I can like add a new a new entity and it gives you a whole nice designer. It shows you a bunch of stuff that Maybe you didn't realize was something that you could model, like the volatility of attributes or, or things like this. But then once you get your model built together, you can actually go and say, show me the Python code, or yeah, show me the Python code or show me the SQL Lite code that it would actually, the, the DDL um, table generation code for the various databases and, and things like that, right?
1: Currently, you just uh, can create this. And another uh, option is uh, to have a history of all the changes. But what we have other people asking for is to provide a tool which allows them to do the whole uh, cycle of development. So when they can create a diagram and then get the Python code and uh, work on the project and when they need to change something, they can just uh, change it in the editor and uh, get the migration applied to the database and uh, keep those uh, the log of the changes in the editor.
0: Nice. Yeah, okay, so... That's that's really neat. That, that brings us to migrations a little bit. What's the story of migrations there? At
1: uh, this point, is the, the feature which is uh, most uh, asked, and at this point, uh, we are working on migrations, uh, uh, and uh, we developed uh, the prototype, and it works uh, great. But uh, what we would like to add an ability to write uh, comments uh, inside the migration file the same way as in Django. So uh, when you just uh, write operations like add attribute or add relationship, I believe that it will be released uh, within the uh, following month. But it is not that uh, fast. The development of migrations took longer than we initially Suggested,
0: yeah, it seems like it might take a while. it's a non trivial thing,
1: that's right. But we are very close to the release at this point.
0: Nice, yeah. What are you doing after you get the migrations done?
1: Some time ago, we started to work on a project which is called Fine Art Biblio. So, it is a Miami based company, and the goal is to provide a Wikipedia for modern art. I formed a team for this project and. Uh, from the day one, we started to use Pony. Uh, it was actually our goal to find a company where we can use uh, pony uh, in order to build uh, the back end and see how we can uh, make it better. And when we were working on this project, we, we found that when we need to build a front end, we actually need to have the same models at the front end. and we thought, oh, why not to just uh, provide a way? to have the, the same the same identity map, the, the same models at the front end. And this way uh, was uh, Pony.js, uh, th- this way uh, Pony.js appeared. So Pony.js uh, is a don uh, to Pony, which is not released yet. Why, I will tell a little bit uh, later. And uh, this way uh, you can get the objects which are extracted at the back end. You can have the same, graph of uh, uh, connected objects at the front-end and work with them in JavaScript.
0: Nice, so I can just basically expose my models from my back-end as some kind of service that PonyJS can consume, and then they're like replicated over, or how does that work?
1: When you extracted uh, objects from the database, then you call the two JSON method, and it returns a set of objects which will be uh, sent uh, to the front-end. And the front end, we have a library, PonyJS, which puts it into uh, an identity map and allows you to work uh, with objects the same way you do it uh, on the backend. So you can traverse uh, attributes, uh, you can traverse relationships, you can create new objects and send them back to uh, the backend. That's cool. And for allowing this... uh, for making this work, we created a layer of uh, permissions and security. So it is also a declarative language which allows you to tell which operations are allowed. Create, delete, update, um, or modify. But when we were, when we were uh, working on this project, we found that Facebook released GraphQL. And uh, we thought that probably it is the same thing that uh, we are working on. And uh, we decided actually to, to try GraphQL and uh, by this time we had uh, one more uh, team member joined to, to our company. And he developed a GraphQL ser- server. And now we have uh, actually three ways to uh, work with the front end. And after we release uh, migrations, we believe that integration with the front end actually uh, will be our major focus.
0: Yeah, you have your back-end stuff pretty much dialed in, so extending that seems like a great idea. This portion of TalkPython to Me is brought to you by GoCD from ThoughtWorks. GoCD is the on-premise, open-source, continuous delivery server. With GoCD's comprehensive pipelining model, you can model complex workflows for multiple teams with ease. And GoCD's value stream map lets you track changes from commit to deployment at a glance. GoCD's real power is in the visibility it provides over your end-to-end workflow. You get complete control of and visibility into your deployments across multiple teams. Say goodbye to release day panic and hello to consistent, predictable deliveries. Commercial support and enterprise add ons, including disaster recovery, are available. To learn more about GoCD, visit talkpython.fm slash goCD for a free download. That's talkpython.fm slash goCD. Check them out. It helps support the show. So, your docs are in Python 2. I want to encourage you to write them in Python 3 and tell a story. So, when People were looking at the adoption of Python 3 maybe a year ago or something like this, and I think around that time, Django switched its documentation to Python 3, and they didn't do anything else. They just said, look, Python 3 here. This is the way you do it in Python 3, and it also supports Python 2. And the usage of Python 3 on PyPI went up significantly, like some number of percent total because of that. So, But my real question is, does it support Python 2? 3 as well as Python 2? What's the story around yeah. on the various versions? Yes, it does. Nice. Yeah, so all the stuff that I've done with it worked totally fine, I, and I was playing with it in Python 3. So that that's great. So I'm really fascinated by people working on successful open source projects that have businesses around them. And so can you talk just really briefly about your project and the editor and the business model around it?
1: We think that uh, this the editor uh, could be helpful for startup companies and for companies who which develop new projects. Those uh, people who we were talking to who would like to use Pony in their projects, we found that what they like in Pony is uh, simplicity and uh, that Pony allows them to save resources. So they can start fast. They don't need dedicated back-end engineer sometimes and they just uh, can uh, easily return to the project which was developed like a year ago and uh, do some changes without actually looking through the manuals because the query language is re- really simple and it allows to maintain projects with, uh, less, uh, with uh, less resources. We think that for such people, for such companies, having an editor uh, would help them to build prototypes and to work on applications even faster, especially if uh, they would be able to work on uh, the same data schema uh, together. And this is one of the features we would like to add to our editor. So the idea is that it is a software as a service. And... Uh, if you would like to create a diagram and uh, share it with everyone, it is free. And if you uh, would like to keep it as, uh, as, as a closed source diagram, then there is uh, some price for this. And it depends uh, on how many diagrams you, you would like uh, to have. Sure.
0: You know, one thing I think is really interesting about this, you talk about people getting started more quickly and helping uh, new companies and or new applications get up to speed. You have an explore section here, so I can drop in and, and find things like you've got a corporate directory already modeled and you've got a e-commerce store modeled and a university modeled and things like that. So if I know that there's something in your explore area, some of these are created by you guys, but many of them are by others. And I'm like, well, how exactly would I model this? Let me just look and see what other people have done. Right. I could go and like just start from there. Right. And copy that.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And maybe at some point uh, we would uh, we will add an ability to deploy this schema to a cloud database and uh, write logic uh, right there. Yeah, that's pretty interesting.
0: Is there a way to take and like reverse the thing? So I've got the diagram which generates my Python. Could I like take my code that I've been working on for six months after starting with one of these and like throw the Python in? and get the diagram out?
1: Probably we should add that, but uh, at this point, the most uh, people are asking about uh, a reflection tool for the database. So when you can Uh, just get the log of the database, uh, create table statements, and create uh, a diagram based on that.
0: Yeah, that makes sense, which... I guess that's probably the most important one is you want to be exactly like your database and give me the Python classes to make that happen, right?
1: Right. So someone uh, would like to work using Pony with a database and they just don't want to create uh, those classes or the diagram.
0: Yeah. If you've got a thousand tables, you probably don't want to spend time trying to model them again. Just push the button and have that pop out, right? That's cool. All right. Well, we're getting near the end of the show. This has been really interesting. I'm I'm really fascinated, especially with the Pythonic style of Pony. So thanks for telling us all about it and giving us the backstory. It's great.
1: Thank you, Michael, for having me.
0: Yeah, you bet. So before I let you go, though, I have a couple of questions for you. There's over 90,000 packages on PyPI these days, and you probably come across some that not everybody knows about. What one would you like to recommend to audience?
1: Well, I love Flask.
0: Flask is definitely nice. and Great for building apps, especially for building APIs, I think.
1: Right. We use it uh, in our projects, and uh, it's simple, uh, and uh, you can develop very fast using Flask. So that's why I like it. All right, Flask. Great
0: recommendation. And if you're going to write some Python code, what editor do you open up?
1: PyCharm. Uh, nice.
0: Yeah, a lot of the PyCharm team is based in St. Petersburg, along with you. So yeah. <laughs> do you know some of the guys there?
1: Yeah, I do. Actually, we, we met with them, and we were asking them to add uh, support for Pony. And we agree that when uh, enough people will be asking about it, they will start uh, working <laughs> on this.
0: All right, well, maybe this show will give them a little nudge, huh? That's cool. Any, any final call to actions for everyone? Like, how do they get started with Pony and your project?
1: Uh, please go to ponyrm.com and uh, read the documentation, try Pony, and give us feedback. We have a Telegram group uh, where people can discuss uh, Pony features and ask questions uh, uh, or Stack Overflow. And uh, please give us some feedback uh, so that we can make Pony even better.
0: All right, Alexei, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been fun to talk to you.
1: Thank you, Michael, it was a pleasure. Yeah, bye. This
0: has been another episode of Talk Python to Me. Today's guest has been Alexei Milashkevich, And this episode has been sponsored by Rollbar and GoCD. Thank you both for supporting the show. Rollbar takes the pain out of errors. They give you the context and insight you need to quickly locate and fix errors that might have gone unnoticed until your users complain, of course. As talkpython to me listeners, track a ridiculous number of errors for free at rollbar.com slash talkpython to me GoCD is the on-premise, open-source, continuous delivery server. Want to improve your deployment workflow but keep your code and builds in-house? Check out GoCD at talkpython.fm slash gocd and take control over your process. Are you or a colleague trying to learn Python? Have you tried books and videos that just left you bored by covering topics point by point? Well, check out my online course Python jumpstart by building 10 apps at talkpython.fm slash course to experience a more engaging way to learn Python. And if you're looking for something a little more advanced, try my write pythonic code course at talkpython.fm slash pythonic. Be sure to subscribe to the show, open your favorite podcatcher and search for Python. We should be right at the top. You can also find the iTunes feed at slash iTunes, Google Play feed at slash play, and direct RSS feed at slash RSS on TalkPython.fm. Our theme music is Developers, Developers, Developers by Corey Smith, who goes by Smix. Corey just recently started selling his tracks on iTunes, so I recommend you check it out at TalkPython.fm slash music. You can browse his tracks he has for sale on iTunes and listen to the full-length version of the theme song. This is your host, Michael Kennedy. Thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Smix, let's get out of here. Stating with my voice, there's no norm that I can feel within. Haven't been sleeping, I've been using lots of rest. I'll pass the mic back to who rocked it best. Unburst, first developers, 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 developers. developers.